0: Hello Tallahassee, this is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show, I am Pastor Jack King, I am your host, and I am always excited to be with you here on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster. We're on Sunday mornings from 7 to 8, we talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We just talk about the church and all the wonderful things that God is up to and I tell you what, it sure has been exciting. I get to meet so many wonderful people who are involved in Christian ministry. And uh, actually, this is show number 707 today. That's a lot of folks I've had a chance to talk to over the years. And perhaps maybe you'd like to be on the show. If you are involved in Christian ministry, why don't you give me a call? 567-1703, area code 850, or email me, King at com. And I'd love to have you on the show and talk about what you're passionate about. And we do have a few rules on the show. We don't talk sports or politics or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And that's just worked real good over about 16 years. And I have back on the broadcast with me uh, Brother and Sister Lynn and Beth Burns. And they are the founders of the Good Samaritan Network. And they're going to tell us all about that. There's some exciting things that they are involved in. So, brother Glenn, we'll just start with you. How are you doing tonight? I'm for doing this great. Morning, actually, <laughs> we pre recorded night. We aired it in the morning. So, well, I'm doing sun- great tonight,
1: Sunday. but I'm sure I'm doing good that morning <laughs> as well. You'll be
0: doing good <laughs> Sunday too. Sister Beth, how are you doing? We're doing good. It's good to Thank have you. you folks here tonight. Are again for this morning. Uh, good Samaritan Network. Where do you want to start? There's so much involved in it. First of all, let me let me back up a little bit. Kind of like say I I first had uh, Glenn Burns. Uh, on a radio show back at WCVC, 1330 AM. I was doing a 10 o'clock show live. And uh, I had Brother Glenn call in because he was the director of the – Haven Arrest Rescue Mission down on Tennessee Street and it was around Thanksgiving and I thought, well, it would be good to talk to somebody and I heard that you all were having a feeding mm-hmm. and uh, so we just talked about that right. and uh, that's kind of where I first got to know you right? and then back on the show and then one time I, I read in a, a magazine that a lady had, was putting together around the community and it talked about the Good Samaritan Network and I did mm-hmm. not know It said Beth Burns but I did not connect it. I'm just mm-hmm. not that smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I invited Beth to come to the show and Glenn shows up, and that was fun. And then you all told me some incredible stories, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But tell us what Good Samaritan Network Network is all about.
1: Well, it's exactly that. Um, it's a good. The idea behind it was the from the story of the of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, or the Samaritan in the Bible. And um, we Beth and I got together, and uh, in the process of helping at the rescue mission and doing the work we did there for many years. We were, as you know, we didn't have a place for women, and we were looking for um, some way to have the women. And Beth, uh, we we talked to several different organizations and churches, and we really, everybody was afraid of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so we, the Lord just kept pushing us, and so we finally uh, started a, five, a separate 501c3, got a few board members, and, and I started uh, the Good Samaritan Network, was the legal name but uh, shortly after we got started in that direction, uh, through, through the death of our close friend Chelsea Batts, uh, we end up naming the house uh, for women Chelsea's house, okay. and that's how we really started, really to help women. But I, uh, I always tell everybody, God gave Beth the vision of the Good Samaritan part of the name, and for me, the, the word network, because I just knew, even from the beginning, even when I was run, working at the Rescue Mission, that there was a lot more to it than just any one individual piece. And so my vision was to network together between, and I had no idea God was so far beyond what my wildest imagination was, mm-hmm. and I had a pretty vivid imagination yes. about all the things <laughs> we might do, but the network, Good Samaritan Network, is uh, has evolved into just that. It's a network we work with, various other ministries, agencies, anybody that's trying to help somebody mm-hmm. is essentially what, you know, fodder for our, for our network. And some of them are very closely formally related to us, and some of them are just loosely affiliated, and some of them are... Uh, you know, our past we just work on uh, joint cases together right. but your heart and passion and both of you are ready for those who've had a
0: had a rough time in life mm-hmm. they've had some rough patches right. be it because of addictions mm-hmm. be it because of just really some really really bad choices mm-hmm. those type of people are just near and dear to your hearts are they? yes, yes. And,
1: uh, in fact uh, Beth um, and I'll let Beth tell her own story but Beth and i were talking about her part of the, uh, the the calling if you will and she was a kindergarten teacher at school at the time i you know when i met her she wasn't involved in this kind of work and when uh when my previous wife passed away when nancy passed away and beth was helping and we had kids in youth group together and that type of thing so uh but then i started hearing her heart and then i also started hearing some of her story and um beth had gone through some some very challenging times and uh I'll let her, like I said, I'll let her tell as much okay. of that as she wants to tell. But, okay. but it is very relevant because right. it gave her an understanding uh, and, a, and a deep uh, compassion for women that are going through having to get their life started over again. Mm-hmm. As if we've said before, we don't really specialize in, in any particular area of domestic violence or anything like that uh, or addictions. But all the people, we just like the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, that that story, The one of the lines I love in that is, it says, and then a Samaritan, while he was on his journey, mm-hmm. he didn't say he got up that morning looking for a guy in right. bitch. He was on his journey, and somehow God had given him compassion, because we saw the priest and the Levite right. looked, even maybe had compassion, right. but, but like most of us, they didn't do anything. right. But that man stopped. right. And I thought, you know, I don't have to know much more than I know now. Uh, I just have to care enough to stop. I love and that. So I that was that. really the part that I did. So I'll let Beth kind of yeah. chime in on her. Well, Sister Beth,
0: you, uh, like I say from a kindergarten school teacher to what you're doing now, and, and that I'm talking about the Chelsea's house. Just we'll get into the story and history about that. But tell us what what do you do at the Chelsea's house? And I, and I say that wrong. It's it's not, it's not Chelsea's house, or is mm-hmm. it Chelsea House? It,
2: it's Chelsea House. Chelsea House. And, right. Um, I guess you could see, say that I'm the mom of okay. the house of of the ministry. I just um, try to encourage the women as they come and go, and sometimes they bring their children with them and just try to give them a little bit of um, God's love. Mm-hmm. They may just be there for a few nights, few weeks. Uh, the longest we've ever had were, was three years, and during that time, I just try to plant seeds into, into their heart so that they can begin to heal and grow from their situation and Hopefully when they leave, um, they will have left a little bit better than the way they came, and they'll have a clearer understanding of God's love for them and um, take that with them into the next part of their journey.
0: Now, Chelsea House is a, a place for women who are displaced. Right. I mean, they're 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 homeless for whatever reason. Yes, it's not a, an abuse house or because there's. I just had uh, here a few weeks ago somebody on the show who was who was involved in women who are abused. That's not necessarily your niche, is it?
2: Well, uh, we're kind of a catch-all. Mm-hmm. Um, we're for women that are just falling between the cracks to be okay. honest with you we have uh, places in town for domestic violence we have places for addiction recovery but there are women that are they don't really fall into any of those categories they're therefore they don't meet the criteria to go into to those homes so um, but they've become displaced for one reason or another and so um, like myself years ago when I was facing that you know, in my in my situation many years ago, I um, wanted to be able to provide a place for women that were just trying to do life, mm-hmm. and life just kind of hit them sideways, and they've um, really lost their balance, and kind of like the Good Samaritan that was in the ditch right, of right. life, they, that um, somebody to come by and... Not only speak life into them, but also literally take them home and right. you know help them heal from and, their and situation. I, I like that's that. what
0: we do. I heard somebody teaching about one time They said, and he got down and mm-hmm. got down in a ditch with them. Right,
2: exactly. <laughs> and and I, I
0: love that analogy because that's what you do. Now, Glenn's alluded to your story, and you have a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. how much of that would you feel comfortable to share with this radio audience?
2: I, I'd be happy to share, and the reason is. Um, When God first called me to do this ministry, he told me to open my mouth and be a voice for the voiceless. And so I take that commission very seriously. And um, so anytime I have a chance to share, I pray that today somebody is listening to the broadcast and they're going to have some hope. Um, There was a point in time in my life when I was married to a pastor. Um, We were married 18 years. The last 10 years of that marriage was hell on earth. Really? he um, fell into an addiction cycle and um, just really started struggling but uh, it was a double life situation and so he was uh, trying to hold down uh, ministry but he had a double life and I found myself as a pastor's wife um, trying to figure out what in the world was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to protect our home and our family and the ministry and trying to stand in the gap. And one thing led to another and it just kept tumbling out of control far beyond what I ever would have imagined that I would have to live out. So it was like I was um, living, a, watching a movie, but I was the person in the movie. And um, it was my reality. And I remember going through some really, really, really tough times, um, just emotionally to the point where I was, um, had come to the end of just felt like it was completely out of control. And, um, most of that time in the last 10 years, I was, um, I was abandoned and, uh, we had adopted three children, um, during that period of time. And, uh, Shortly after uh, these kids came to our life, um, he pretty much skipped out, um, leaving me as a single mom in my 30s and just kind of really in shock. I guess I would have known that it was coming, but I just didn't want to face that reality. And so I found myself um, for the first time on the other side of the tracks, where as we used to provide... um, Help for women in the community or people, you know, uh, food pantry items and things like that. Now I'm in need because I am facing a situation where the home that we were in, I couldn't go to that home. Um, I had no uh, real financial resources. I was working um, at a local Christian school, and uh, the church there was wonderful and they did the best they could help, but I was the person sitting, the woman sitting in. The church pew alone, and nobody knew what to do with somebody like me. They wow. felt compassion for yeah. me, and you could see that they felt sorry for me, which made it even worse, you know. Mm. And um, so, I was relying on other people to provide um, food to help me to provide gifts for the girls at Christmas time and things like that. It was so embarrassing initially. And uh, the, but I, I know now later that the Lord used that to allow me to experience humility and compassion for what he was preparing me for.
0: I can see that. Absolutely.
2: So when I was going through that season of struggle, uh, working three jobs, trying to keep things going, um, while going through my own despair and feeling um, just really sad and angry and hurt, I didn't know where to turn or who to turn to. Um, At the church um, or the people at the church, I thought, well, there has to be somebody like me out there. Mm I didn't know where they were, because on Sunday, we all wear our Sunday best. You sure. know, we're smiling. Right, and we're,
0: right. You know. those masks on.
2: Exactly. So um, I just, uh, my heart just was really hurting. I said, there have to be other people and other children that are hurting like our family is. And so I started kind of paying attention, and I started noticing women in the church that were going through similar situations. Mm. So we just started finding each other and starting our own support group, and And um, I thought to myself, where do women like me go if they have no resources, if they have no home to live in and no no way to support themselves? Mm -hmm. So I just kind of started driving around town and daydreaming about, uh, wouldn't that be a neat place to open up a home someday and bring women in that are hurting like me and, and my children and just provide them a safe, nurturing environment that um is supportive and loving and challenging and all of the above so that was kind of a seed thought back then Of course, i couldn't even take care of myself hardly and my family let alone other people but it was a seed thought right and then um as time went went on um i met glenn he was my sunday school teacher actually and uh his wife nancy had passed away and uh, we found our kids just enjoying youth group together and things like that. So um, God just knit our hearts together, mm-hmm. and we were really became really good friends. And um, he revealed to us that we, he wanted us to be together, so we, we ended up getting married. And um, my time down there at the Haven of Rest working with Glenn was really, honestly, just to spend time with my husband I could care less about the guys down there. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) at that point in time in my life, I had a lot of healing to do. Uh Um, I was so angry and hurt. I didn't trust men. I didn't trust anybody. Uh Um, So I was really going through the initial phases of uh, healing myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I just spent a lot of time down there at the Haven of Rest, and um, I remember – Thinking in my mind, I thought, "Boy, these guys are a bunch of losers. You know, (laughs) they need to go get a job, or they've probably hurt women just like me." Why
0: don't you just tell us how you feel? (laughs) Yeah, I just like
2: it was horrible. And um, the Lord finally revealed to me while I was down there working alongside Glenn, and of course the women of the streets. That was a whole other level of homelessness Uh or hardship that I was really kind of shielded from. Uh And uh, I started. The women started coming to our chapel services, and we just began um, open up the Word of God and and starting our little support groups. And, and I'm a teacher at heart, so right. you know I'm teaching, and um, we're enjoying that together. But the guys were kind of you know that that's where they live. So at the end of the day, we the women had to go out, and um, uh, the bit men would stay there. And I remember one time just just asking the Lord just to help me understand what he was doing down there through Glenn and through the others. And he um, helped me to, he said, you love children, right? And yes, I love children. And um, he said, well, just think of these men like little boys <laughs> that maybe never grew up or that had trauma uh-huh. in their life or something happened along the way. Can you look at them the way I look at them? Uh-huh. And my heart just broke. Wow! And I just had a heart of compassion. Huh? And um, it was before long that I um, was staying them there longer than Glenn. <laughs> he said, "Well, I'm going home." I said, "Well, I'll be back. I'll be there in a little while." Huh. But um, the so Lord just...
0: It, it, do it stand there to minister to the men?
1: Yes. We had a community center, yes. and that we yeah. in the evening the guys would be there, kind of milling around, or whatever. Well, they had they didn't most of those men had never had a healthy female relationship. Uh-huh. Okay. So here's Beth down there, the mom. And she's she would talk to them, and, you know, while we're playing games or you know eating snacks or watching TV. Wow. They would come over and start talking to her. She started ministering in a way that like a sister or mother would. So
0: God really did a work in oh, your yeah. heart. He really didn't did, it? did a work in my heart. She
1: wasn't kidding. Literally, I would go yeah. home. I said, you know, I can't <laughs> stay up this late. And uh, she'd eventually come home. Wow. Uh, she really fell and fell in love with him. Huh.
2: Well, and I just you know had that heart of compassion and. Um, The Lord just started teaching me from the early days of this whole ministry that it's not about me or what I think or what I feel. It's about what God wants to do in the hearts and lives of people and to stop judging and stop assuming that people, um, you know, what their past is and that we all have issues. Right. And, um, you know, he is a healer of all those things. So that's kind of where it, it took a process to get to that point but um we finally did and we've been able to see a lot of wonderful miracles yeah. we've had some sad hardships and disappointments you know when you we, you see somebody you're pouring into their life to bring them up out of the ditch of life right. and, and you get them all cleaned up and you know god's working in their life and they decide to go back to the ditch you know that happens from from time to time but then you see the ones that get their miracle, right? And right. they respond, and you and that, see, and that it's backsliding wonderful.
0: is one of the perils of, mm-hmm. of the type of work that you all mm-hmm. do, or, mm-hmm. because people are people, yes. And, and all of those things are out there that's, that's going to capture their heart, mm-hmm. but you keep on loving them anyway. That's that's a unique thing about people who have the kind of callings that you all do, and I admire it. I really do.
1: In fact, early on, Beth, uh, I was coming home one night, and this was when Beth first started helping me, and I came home and uh, and I had a, a particular guy that she well knew was one of my primary guys that I was working with and was actually helping in the ministry and and I came home and which is not an uncommon thing I said uh, well so and so left today he went she goes in a good way I said no he went back to drinking and whatever she goes oh my goodness what are you going to do and I said well you know that's part of it and so I said so what's for supper. And she goes, "How could you? What you? What kind of compassion is that? How could you just come home and eat when when this guy that you love has just left?" And I said, "Well, I learned a really hard lesson early in the first few thousand, Uh and that is, is they have a God, and I'm not Him. And if you try to be God, (laughs) you will you will not make it. And and Beth, in fact, uh, Beth, years later." Was really hit a wall because she hadn't been able to accept that part yet, especially for the women and children. Sure. And she, uh, remember, you hit a wall. And I forget the the lady in the poem and everything. If you can, uh, you can share that part of it.
2: Well, there's a, there is an actual technical term for it. It's called compassion fatigue. I had no idea. Oh, and that I've heard that. Yeah. Yes, and a lot of caregivers and providers and ministers and people like that go through can hit those walls very easily. And so we're trying to, you know, fix all these people. Sure. And we're responsible right. Right. for lots and lots of people that and, are And what in you all road. have
0: coming through those is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's got it to be Yeah.
2: And so you just want them to succeed. You want them to get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're not careful, you begin to kind of scoot God out of the way and take his spot. Mm. And try to fix people <laughs> and try to carry that burden. Yeah. And that was actually you know women are caregivers we're we're nurturers right so uh naturally i started taking on that role not realizing that i was actually making a lot harder on myself (laughs) and um finally uh i had to just give that over to the lord and the way i knew that that i had gotten in the way i went to a compassion fatigue workshop that one of the local agencies was um i'm thinking what is this you know and um she the lady that was performing the workshop said that God had given her a poem when she was going through this herself, and it was called a hole in my heart and um basically, what the poem says was that I had a hole in my heart, I have one, and you this is the place that you've dumped all your garbage into and the poem goes on to um say that you basically cannot become that person's garbage you can't let their that affect your life. Wow! But you don't always realize it when they're dumping the garbage right, in. Right, right. So you have to come to the, a point in your life when um, that you realize that you're just a passing through mm-hmm. place. You're a conduit between them and the Lord. Right. And the Lord, uh, when they share their burdens with you, you take it. You give it to God, and then in turn, God ushers through you what He wants them to have. You're never supposed to hang on to any of it. Right. And I think you know. In the compassion type ministry that we're doing, we just, you know, grow to love these people and really want to them to succeed and do well. So you tend to want to take take that, you know, mm-hmm. on yourself. But realizing that's that's not God's way. And we're just supposed to keep it passing through.
0: Right. And sometimes we we, we feel personally offended. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like we, we failed somehow. Yeah. Or another. Yes. And, and I think it. When you're a giver mm-hmm. and you're always giving out like that, that after a while that begins to affect your emotion. And, and
1: that's a trap from the enemy. Uh-huh. Because I've I seen agree. so many people uh, that tried to help and got burnt and they said never again. Right, right. And so that's a trick of the enemy to to, to reduce the the caregivers, if you will. And so w- that's one of the things we try to teach the people that come in. And that, all these other ministers we're talking about. Right. One of the things we try to teach them and equip them is to – is to understand this principle, because if you don't, you will burn up right. and uh, and wear out, and you'll become bitter, and all kind of things that happen. Or at minimum, at very minimum, uh, you'll just cut it off, and then just stale away. Years ago, we used to have as a kind of our target audience. We always said we were here to help the homeless, the helpless, and the hurting. And then God gave me an inspiration sometime many years later, and I added the unused and the underused, because the church is full of unused and underused oh, yes. people. And the question is, yes. we all know that, but why? Uh-huh. It's very rarely because they don't want to help. Right? It's they don't know how to help, and or they've tried a little bit, they and got they, burnt. they got burnt. Yep. And that's again, that's how the enemy blocks off yep. a lot of good people from doing a lot of good work. Yeah.
0: You know, what are the interesting things about it is it doing what I do mm-hmm. here... Doing the radio show every week, and and I have people who all types of ministries, mm-hmm. and, and I get them when they're when they're seasoned, and right. I get them when they're first starting, right? And I get to sit here and I, and I listen to this young hmm. person, or maybe not so young, but they're starting something new and they're excited right. about it, and I'm excited with right. them, but I'm thinking, oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. But yeah. you pray yeah. that that through that you'll yeah. grow and mature, yes, and yes. not quit, yes. Because I mean, there's going to be bumps and bruises. Absolutely.
1: In fact, I was just talking about this with Beth the other night about my son, uh, who hopefully will be on the show soon, and uh, and his work. And he's been on the field now for two years. Now he's been he's a 37 year old man as a missionary. Yeah, as right. a missionary, and um, and he's you know he's very accomplished already. As you'll see when you see his bio, he's very accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's two years in full time on the field, and he came home this this summer and is talking to us and. And we were having a, I just like to listen to him uh-huh. because n- not only as a parent, but just seeing what a life given over to God can look like. Because I saw him when he made the decision for Christ. Right. When he was, for Christ, when he was uh, eight years old. And I and I was sharing with, at church the other day, I saw that little boy when he was eight years old. And then I read his current bio and wow. all that God has done. I said, wow. And this boy was, didn't know the Lord. When I, I married his mother, she was also a single mother. And when I married her, and, uh, and I saw all that Well, he's down in the field. And I remember the conversation I had with you because I was just two years into uh-huh. it. And in the first two years, uh, I was not only on fire and, and, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was junior God. I mean, I was going to solve the problems <laughs> right. and everything else. And when you hit those walls and God allows us to go through those very yeah. difficult times, uh, that's how he burns the dross off. That's right. how I told somebody the day I said, you know, God allows the persecution part. When it says when you've given up anything for the Lord, the part I told the church the other day is when you're reading on it, it says not only restoring this life but in the life to come, but in between there it says with persecution. Right. And I said, Let's del- delete that. I don't I don't like that persecution <laughs> it doesn't work that part. Way. <laughs> no. And I said, But here's the thing you have to understand. The persecution is what adds depth, depth and and dimension right. to the mercy and the grace. Right. Otherwise you don't realize it's like breathing. We don't yeah. think anything about it. And it also allows you to be good for the
0: long haul. Yes. Because yes. Because ministry has that. Yes. It, it is. It's challenging. It's difficult but if you 're going to stay in it for the long haul, mm-hmm. you 've got to get tough yes and and I say that in a in a I hope yeah. in a positive way, yeah. yeah, because I remember back in our early years of pastoring mm-hmm. uh, you know young my wife was very, very young, mm-hmm. and I was young too, mm-hmm. coming into an older congregation, and you talk about bumps and bruises. Yeah. And I remember sitting out there and of course where we're recording now at the at the property eighth Avenue, I remember sitting out there in that parking lot one 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 day, I don't know what day it was, just saying to myself, I gotta get tough and God gave me, yea, though I walk through the yeah. valley of the yeah. shadow of death, yeah. I will fear no evil. Yeah. And thy rod and thy yeah. staff yeah.
1: that comfort me. And I'm I, going I had never seen it that way before you know you know that's 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 very fascinating because you know the story. When my wife died, uh I was one year in the ministry when she came down with cancer, oh, one year into the ministry. Now I was, you know, I was forty-something-year-old man, but I was one year into the ministry. So the last, uh, so a year and a half into the ministry, she dies, and I'm standing at the gravesite up there at Cullies, and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? I mean, I'm, I was, I'm lost without her, wow. and I was standing there, and God spoke to my heart, and the things He told me then was because I now I'm in my first two years, and I've had all the ups and all, and now it's the most unbelievable down. And God spoke to my heart and said, a uh, number of all scripture is personalized. Glenn, I promise you, I would never leave you or forsake you. I'm right here with you. Wow. I promise you, I go with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And we're standing right in the middle of it. All of life is but a vapor. It's going to seem just like that long to you and Nancy, your dad, your grandma, and all those have gone before you are going to be reunited. But I've left you here for a purpose. Now, that was a question I had had in my heart. Why? Wow. I was eight years older than her. She was only 42 when she died. I was eight years older than her, and I thought, why would she be the one to go? God said, I've left you here for a purpose. If you'll be faithful to share my stories as I weave them through your life, I'm going to use you to bring thousands more into my kingdom. That was so outstanding. I mean, I just, I immediately thought... I have a purpose. Yeah. I don't have any. I'm not qualified. I don't know how to do anything. But God told me he's going to use me. And I immediately thought, well, I must be going to be a evangelist or, you know, speaking <laughs> to Coliseums or something. Well, interesting footnote to that is I set about right there on the spot that day telling the stories. I've never stopped telling the stories. And God, for a while, for nine of those 10 years, I had to turn a report every week to the church about people that made professions of faith, wherever, you know, where I'm teaching or preaching or whatever. And so because I turn to reports, that's how I even know these numbers. Uh-huh. I don't have to turn to reports anymore, so I have no idea now what the number is. But from old, from two thousand to two thousand nine, on the average, I saw about five hundred people a year make professions of faith. Wow. Well if you do the math, that's thousands of people. Yeah. Now most of the times it was a couple of years there. <laughs> you know. He didn't it wasn't glamorous. Nobody still knows my name. It was just like God. He did what he said he was going right. to do faithfully. So why do you doubt a God like that?
0: And when when God said that to you, Haven Arrest let him in the picture. You no, I,
1: I, had, I had just taken it over. Oh, that's what okay. I was. I, I wasn't not. I wasn't leading okay. any Bible studies. I was uh, I was just administrating. Right. It,
0: that's it, something. That's amazing. It, if if
1: you've just joined us, this is a
0: WTSM 97.9 your ESPN sports station. But uh, from seven to eight on Sunday mornings, we talk about dreams and visions and the church triumphant. And uh Glenn and Beth Burns are the other voices you've been listening to here this morning. They're with the Good Samaritan Network, and oh, there's much more to these stories. (laughs) And I want to, amen. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and I just love doing what I do on Sunday mornings, and it's just such a great time to be able to join you on these uh, visits on Sunday morning, and I hope that you'll tune in every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 and we'll always have great guests and if not it'll just be me and mm-hmm. good southern gospel mm-hmm. music <laughs> if nothing else but uh we we'll invite you to church this morning. I pastor Freedom Road Christian Ministry. We're located at 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We're right across the road from the Federal Prison. We're between Easterwood Drive and Park Avenue. If you're heading toward Park Avenue, look for us on the right-hand side. We'll have some signs out there on Sunday morning. We start at 1105, and we love having visitors. FRCM.US is our website. Also, I want to tell you about my friends Robin and Jim. Triple A Constant Comfort. They've been helping me do this broadcast from the very beginning. They do heating and air conditioning. And I can almost write a book just over all the times that they've helped us out mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep a lot of air conditioning systems running in two different buildings. It's a challenge, but uh, we appreciate them so much. And also, one last thing before I get back to our guests, and that's Youth Camp coming up July uh, 17 through 21 in Diviniac Springs. It's a CYMI that's a Christian Youth Ministers International Youth Camp. It's a camp I started about five years ago, and we love having young people. And if you'd like to know more, give me a call, five six seven one seven zero three. And I said last thing, but one more thing. If you like gospel music, join me on Saturday nights on Wave 94, 94.1, for a full hour of Southern gospel music. I call it the Saturday Night Gospel Sing with me, Pastor Jack King love to have you join me for that as well now glenn and beth burns it seems like it's uh been too long since you guys have been on the show here with me i love having you i love hearing your story and just a little bit of background here uh like i told you i met glenn actually we met on the radio mm-hmm. and <laughs> never met him personally until mm-hmm. later and uh he shared with me uh one there on the radio and i just remember this so well about a vision that he had or his heart he wanted to do something for women because mm-hmm. Haven Rest was a home for men. Mm-hmm. And I remember we prayed about that mm-hmm. on the radio show. Mm-hmm. I remember that so very very well. And then later actually I I invited Beth to be on the show. I didn't put I didn't connect the two of you together. It was Good Samaritan Network and then Glenn comes and in the process of this of the show they began to tell me the story of chelsea's house mm-hmm. and i said that's what we mm-hmm. prayed about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so beth tell us the story of chelsea's house
2: well i think glenn shares the best version mm-hmm. of the very beginning okay. of chelsea mm-hmm. and right. then if you want to share that okay. and right. then i'll pick up from there
1: if i can do this without crying i still cry after all these years because uh, it's so powerful uh-huh. uh, you know we were down there and as you said we uh, immediately, when we opened our community center, we started. You know, women, and you know, we didn't expect women to show up, but women started showing up. And and um, you know, one, we started having our chapels down there and services down there. And uh, one day, this young lady walks in the door, and she she looked like a thug. I mean, she uh-huh. was a rough looking young lady. She's beautiful, smile, just a beautiful young physically, but she had this scowl and this demeanor that was just you know, she had obviously been through rough time. And she came in. I remember it was like yesterday. She came into a church service. We were packed. She came in, sat near the back, kind of had her arms crossed, and was clearly pregnant, looked like a very angry young lady. After the service, I was doing an invitation. And the way we did our invitations, we'd immediately go to counseling. And so she walked in the back with, in one of our booths with uh, Beth and uh, another lady that was helping. And all of a sudden, I heard, after a while, I heard this scream. It sounded like an exorcism going on. This girl was just screaming, crying. And uh, this gut wrenching cry, and Beth had talked to her, and you know that she had she had come in there, and Beth was talking about praying for her. She said, "No, I need to talk to God." So she started, she just started, on, and she didn't have really any background at all in in spiritual matters. Had really had had a difficult young life, and and it had transferred into her young adult life. And she had had a number of pregnancies and gone through. And it sounds on paper like well, she just got what she deserved because you know here she's a street lady and she's got all these children, they've all been taken away, etc etc Well, if you knew her story, you know, she had had a difficult upbringing. She married the first guy that came through. He was, of course, not a good character, and she had a baby or two with him, and then he moved on, and then she she had another. She got married again, and this guy was a wonderful guy, and her other children have been taken away. She has a couple children with this guy, and life is starting to turn out. She's happy. They're struggling, but you know she's happy, and a few babies and a few years into it, she comes home one day, and he's killed himself. Oh, my! and just totally devastated her Well, she you know went off the deep end again and lost those babies you know to the system and then she got involved with some bad dealings and one thing or another, and she got pregnant again out of wedlock and and uh, that baby was taken away and then uh and then now she's twenty nine years old she's just almost given up on life, and she gets pregnant again, and that one broke her that's when she came to us, and she came in that day. And she just said, I've, there's got to be something better. She didn't know what there was, but she knew there had to be something better. Wow! And so Beth and uh, this other lady started mentor, mentoring uh, mentoring her and ministering to her. And as Beth sh- shared earlier, Beth was a farm girl raised in Ohio in Amish country. Uh, so she knew how to teach. She knew what difficulty was. But she had never had an experience of being on the streets and all that type uh-huh. of thing. So Chelsea was teaching Beth the, what the women on the street needed. And Beth was teaching Chelsea what a woman of God looks like. And they just became joined at the hip. They went everywhere together. And oh. Chelsea was sharing things about and we we need a place for women and not a shelter, but a home and and we need to be treated with respect. And a lot of the foundations of our women's ministry were from what Chelsea had fed us. And so she was doing great. She came in, started volunteering all the time with us. She was never left. The, she she had a little place. She would never left the campus, and and uh, she was just always there until we had to run her off at night every night. <laughs> and finally. Uh, Her pregnancy was progressing along, and and uh, she got she was just a little peanut of a girl. And she we had we had you know you call talk about your Saturday program. We had a a Saturday night chapel. I call it Saturday night special, and it was for the all the people who were off the streets would come in drunk and all that kind of stuff. It was an interesting church service. (laughs) I bet. But we would have various chapels this and that and uh and at the end of every chapel uh a lot of these people you don't get to see them again uh-huh. and so if somebody made a decision for christ and if i could counsel with them a little bit i would if they wanted to we had a little sit down baptistry and i'd say would you like to be baptized so we we would baptize and we'd have baptism service and people would gather around the pool and it was just really intimate and uh and when i had a little habit because you you didn't keep the water in it, you would drain it out so when uh I when I got ready to drain the water out, I would always look around and say, Okay, there's we've done what we've asked, is there's anybody else for I let the water out? And uh <laughs> this one night the place was mostly empty, most people had left, and I looked across the room and here's sits Chelsea sitting across there, like I said, just as pregnant as she can be, her little do rag on her head and and uh she had just become so involved in the ministry at that point and so I, I looked at it, and I made eye contact with her, she goes, Brother Glenn, don't let that water out and man, uh. the place erupted wow they took her in the back got her robed up and she came in and she got baptized we have a picture of her coming up out of the water and it looks like a person standing in the presence of jesus christ she had a million dollar smile anyway but man she was just beaming and then shortly after that her pregnancy went bad and uh she started having problems complications and, and they had to have a cesarean and so she had the baby uh baby andrew andre andre and uh and he was he was born premature, so he was in the NICU and all that. And uh, just a few days later, Beth and Chelsea had put together the first fundraiser that we ever did for Chelsea. Uh, I mean, for a women's house, and it was going to be out at Bradley's and uh-huh. uh, at the farm at the fair and all that. And so Beth was already out there. Chelsea was in the hospital still, of course. And so she went out there, and I'm on the way out there Saturday morning, and I get this phone call, brother Glenn, you got to come quick. I'm having some kind of problem. They're taking me back into surgery. So I raced over there jess is out there about to reel her in she's scared to death and i hold her hand i pray with her and i said it's gonna be okay sweetie so so they they took her in and when she came back out she had developed an infection and she lived 10 days and um and died and those last 10 days were incredible she got reconciled with her family even though she was in a coma her family came up and reconciled with her the whole hallways up and down in the ICU were full of uh, homeless people standing and, sl- and sleeping in the hallways, in vigil waiting for her. Wow! <laughs> and when she died, when she finally died, we had a service the next Sunday during our church service. We had her memorial service and our services combined. Five women uh, prostitutes gave their life to Christ at that service. Uh, it just it became the battle cry. Chelsea House, we're gonna we're gonna have wow. a house for her, wow. <laughs> and we're gonna call it Chelsea House. And that's been the house, and it's been hundreds of women and children have come through that home, all in the legacy of what God did through a young lady who, who just gave her her last few lives. And her her one of her legacies was she wrote, Beth used to have them write little letters and stuff, and she wrote one little handwritten note to Beth, and under the heading where it said, your address. Now, mind you, she's living on the streets. And her it said, what is your current address? And and she wrote heaven. And oh, my And this is goodness. before she died. She had no idea that she was going to be, oh, she wow. was going to be there. We oh. found
2: it a year later behind a file cabinet. Is that right? And um, <laughs> I think that, you know, with the story, you know, that he shared, uh, one important part of it, and we are, we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary, was that we opened the home 7 7 of 07.
0: 7 7 of oh seven
2: Unit 7, 7 o'clock. We brought our first woman in. <laughs> So oh, coming up, you know, this July will be our 10-year anniversary that the first woman came through the doors. Wow! And um, she wasn't alive to see that part, but she sure was part of the inspiration Absolutely. to get things going. And um, hundreds of women have come through.
0: And so many people, they they hear the name chess, but they don't know the story. No. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how often the story gets to be told or whatever, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping that that people will be listening today and, mm-hmm. and we're going to be podcasting this mm-hmm. show uh, it's going to be at some time it probably be a, maybe a five months before I get it all up and down but later if somebody wants to tune in and mm-hmm. and, and hear the story again yeah. it'll be available yeah. and uh, maybe as time goes on I'll remember to remind the radio audience mm-hmm. how to find it but I'll let you all know when yeah. we get it all yeah. s- set up and everything to where people can go and, and hear yeah. this story yeah. but Sister Beth yeah. okay so her death, but you all were already in the process of putting the home together. But she was very inspirational, and uh, maybe even at a point of confirmation, wasn't it? I mean, it
2: was. Yeah. And, and God had been already been stirring my heart, as I had shared earlier, that there was a need for women, um, to a, a home for women to be able to go and heal from their situations and and their children and then when i started working alongside glenn down at the haven of rest and really kind of being exposed to the women on the streets um... and their situation that opened up a whole my eyes to a whole different level right. of homelessness right. and so um... with chelsea's home going that just sort of uh... put everything in motion Um Pretty much. Now,
0: tell me about funding. How, how, how do you fund this thing? You've been doing this ten years
1: now. It's interesting that you ask that question because we have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be amazed how many people said that same thing to me when I asked them that question. Yeah, we, I we
1: have. Uh, uh, I was just uh, at another group that I that I help with, and and uh, they people come to us all the time and want to know how do you fund these things. And uh-huh. I said I cannot tell you. <laughs> I, all I know is this: people are looking for a formula. Uh uh-huh. I said, all I know, and and this sounds so cliche, but it's just absolutely true. I don't have the money. I don't know how how to get the money. We've never taken a dime of government money. Uh, we've never been really good at raising funds. But we have a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh huh. And I have I as you well know I have have I have those stories that God told me to tell. If he, that he, he 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 I have an abundance of them. From the largest one being. Uh, $158,000 check that a guy wrote me when we needed a $3,000 be able to make a mortgage payment and the, the this was at the rescue mission and the church had a $158,000 mortgage on the property and I needed affirmation that we were going the right direction so I asked God if I could get that $3,000 right at a time when we didn't really have anything that that would be such a miracle that I don't mind struggling as long as I know I'm on the right path and the next day after I prayed that prayer a guy came in and said uh, he and his wife had just come into a little extra money, and I'm thinking, you know, three thousand dollars. <laughs> right, right. I'm thinking three thousand yeah. dollars. That would have been yeah. the end. I was, yeah. I was all pumped. And he said, no, no, it wasn't that. And he wrote me a check, one hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a little extra money. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, so how do you do this? I have no idea. Huh. You go to the Lord, and you ask. And now Beth is very good and very systematic, and we've got other people that have come alongside of us in the recent years and have helped us, because I don't think God wants us to presume on Him. Mm-hmm we work hard we run thrift stores we've done lawn crews i've tried car lots I've, <laughs> i mean i try everything right uh and some work and some don't work and none of them have been all that successful and god just writes a check when i need them but, t- just,
0: but ten years is a testimony yes i mean that's and,
1: and really t- jack this this is really eighteen years that i've been doing this from when i walked on that street into the haven arrest and right, right. and the fundraising even then was totally give, given to me. Nobody said, "Here's how you do it," or help. I went to everybody. I thought there was, you know, I, I followed all the manuals. Right, right. God doesn't do that right. way with us. It's just never been that way.
0: But I hear that. I mean, in the different ministries that come on, I ask them. I said, "How do you do it?" And they said, "Well, it's it's just the Lord." I mean, yeah. That's all I can really say. Yeah. I said, "God just does this," yeah. and He does. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's 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 an amazing thing, but. While we're on this subject, I mean, if somebody just said, hey, uh, I'd like to help you, I mean, you wouldn't say no. No. Well,
1: that's how he does it. Right. He honestly, he puts it. I can't tell many people. Yeah. They're they're countless at this point. Have told me, have called me or came up to me or sent us a check. And I'm not talking about rich people. Right. I'm talking about your basic average Joe. We had a, we had a family last year. We really hit a wall last year. And I mean a bad wall. Uh, and we were, it cost us all kind of money and we didn't have that kind of money. We couldn't make. We have a teeny little payroll anyway, and we couldn't make that payroll. Unfortunately, I'm retired now, so I get Social Security, so it wasn't affecting my payroll. Uh, the government's affected my payroll, but not the, right, not right. the ministry. And um, and we didn't have any money. And uh, I put on. I, I told everybody, all my I told my board members. I told everybody that it always helps us, and you know, people did what they could, and it wasn't even close. We just couldn't make it. And I went home one night, and I was sitting in my chair, and I I was I had no guilty conscience about it. I said, Lord, I've done everything I know to do, and and uh, and I just heard this still, small voice say, not everything. And I said, uh, he said, you haven't asked. And I huh. said, Lord, I've worn my knees out. <laughs> he said, no, you haven't asked my people. I said, oh, you know I don't like to do that. He said, that's called pride. Uh-huh. You need to ask. And so I sit there with my phone right there on the spot, this very phone, and I start going down the, the list. Only people that I felt like could and that knew us and and I that God put it on my heart. And I sent it to about 12 people. And one guy called me in the next day. He said, uh, and I brought my financials and, you know, all my stuff to show him, you know, how legit everything was. And he didn't even look at it. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, if, uh, do you know that I can always help you? That I can have the, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, and you know that you've, uh, I have always, I've helped you throughout the years. And he goes, and you know, I don't mind saying no if, uh, if you ask and God doesn't put it in my heart. I said, I know. And he goes, and that doesn't offend you? And I said, no. He said, then why would you ever not ask me? He said, that's just pride. Uh And i well, okay, that's you and God. So I got, I have a pride (laughs) issue. After all these years, I didn't know I had a pride issue. And so God has given us, Uh it's exactly what you said, people, God puts it on people's hearts. Right, right. And, and we're the one on the radio and, and,
0: and most of the time people don't know the needs No, they, they don't so. and, and uh, uh, it's hard it's hard to put the word out there it really yeah. is but if somebody wanted to send a donation to the Chelsea, house what would they do it Just.
2: they would send it to um, our PO box and we actually have a website that they okay. can go to on the website it gives the donation information but also has Chelsea's picture and her story it has a video of the house okay. uh, the home and the testimonies all kinds of information about our, the ministry um, but if they want to send a check they can do that um, to our PO box okay. 10547 here in Tallahassee
0: and uh, in Chelsea's house you you said something earlier about there's you have the main house and then there's kind of like some other things that you're doing too do I, do I understand we, that
2: we do um, we have the home for the women and um, we also have a residential home for the men. We have two homes. Okay. One, um, well, two homes, but one that with a heavy prison reentry focus. So Ryan, We do yeah, that as well. You mentioned that
0: before we went on the air. That, yes, we do. Now, this is people who are they're they're ready to get out. Mm-hmm. And I, and I had a lady on the show here not too long ago, Deborah Harris, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Making miracles. Y- yeah. Ryan, right. Right. Yes and she was explaining a lot of times they can get out early if if there's a place that helps them to make that transition.
1: Well, I go to, there's a new uh, a program that the state is doing called uh, Reentry Centers, and we have one in Gaston County called Gaston Reentry Centers. It's about three and a half years old now. I've been there since they opened the door. I teach a class out there every Monday. These are men, exclusively men, that are getting out within the next three years Are coming back to this community. 2,200 men and women, mostly men, Every year, come back to this community wow. from prison. Right. And so the idea was they come back and they go back to the same neighborhoods, back to the same problems and the same results and recidivism rates are horrible and so on. So they came up with this idea. So I go out there, when I found out about it, I go out there and I teach a class called Next Steps. That way it's open ended. Right. No I
0: never talking about
1: that. And uh, right. so I, I teach the class uh, every Monday, various, I, I mentor men. Uh, and what the idea is is that. That, let's say a guy, you know, committed some heinous crime, and he's getting out, and uh, he's going. They're going to get him, out, let him out at nine o'clock in the morning. One of his old bad influences is going to pick him up because he's going to come back to this neighborhood, to this community. Right? They're going to take him back to the old neighborhood. They're going to party and go back into whatever they do. Or I've been working with him, teaching him God's word about how to think differently and to live differently for the last two years. Let's say I pick him up at nine o'clock. I brought him his clothes. I take him out to get breakfast. I take him over to the store. I take him to get his IDs and all the kind of things. I take him to our house. I help him get a job. And he's around good guys that are good influences. What do you think the odds are? How, how much safer is yes. the community with choice B as opposed to that, that original choice? And so it's really something we've really been focusing on for the men. The women are, you know, that's constant. We've been doing it now for the 10 years. The men, I've been doing this for 18 years. And I've learned that there's pockets, there's gaps, and uh, there's a lot of gaps when it comes to men coming out of prison. Our recidivism rate, we had a, we had a five-year period with 500 men that we monitored uh, over a period of time. And those same men with similar crimes, in, in without coming through our program, just in the state normal record, was about 43% recidivism. 43% of them went back to prison. Right, right. Our recidivism rate in the same period of time was eight percent. Wow! And it that's was incredible. it was giving them a safe, constructive place right. to live, right. the basic needs being met, feeding their spirit as well as their, their everything else, and giving them the the all that possible possibilities of what to do, and helping them in many cases learn for the first time wow. ever how do you live productively in society. Well,
0: see, you have to have a heart for that, yeah. and see, that's what God's done with you. Yeah. He's He's given you that heart to do that. And I just think that's incredible. And, I, and, I, and I'm i always impressed with this, with, with the different ones that I get a chance to interview. Is you you just see the hand of God, mm-hmm. because God puts that in, in your heart. Yeah. You don't have to do this. I mean, I'm talking about the natural. yeah. But in the spiritual, you know right. you do, because right. it's just the Spirit of God that's just right. giving you these assignments. Yeah. And and, I, and I, it amazes me how that God – like when you talked about, Sister Path when you were transformed, that just amazes me. Because that's what God does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just, yes. I, I just absolutely love it. I just, mm-hmm. I just love to see the hand of God at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm amazed, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't be because yeah. I serve a big guy right. who's able to do amazing That's things. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's,
1: able, he's able to take people like us and do his work. And I, and I that that goes back to the amazing grace. Amen. Every time. Okay, let's give that website out and all that sort of thing before we go here though. Okay, morning.
2: it's uh, G S N. Cares.org. And if they have trouble finding it that way, they can just Google up Good Samaritan Tallahassee, okay. Good Samaritan Network Tallahassee, Good Samaritan Network. or Chelsea House right. Tallahassee. It'll lead right to the website. Okay, has a lot of information. And, of course, a lot of folks just bring things to our thrift store um, on okay. Chara Road and drop checks off there all the time and their donations there. Wonderful, Whichever way is most convenient.
0: Well, we always close the broadcast out with prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for... This uh, wonderful testimony, mm-hmm. and I thank you, Father, for this radio audience. I pray for them, Father mm-hmm. God, Lord. There perhaps there's one out there who has a need for this ministry, Lord. I pray that they would go to that website. Yes. And Father God, I pray over our city. Mm-hmm. I pray for my country. I pray God for your kingdom mm-hmm. that it grow and expand. We give you the glory and the praise mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. 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 Brother, and Sister Burns, I have enjoyed your visit here thank so much. Thank you for having Amen. us. I appreciate fun. you coming. We Until it. next Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you.